for those of you guys that don't know me and will probably want to forget me after we're done here, um, my name is Joe Bradley, and uh, I live in Phoenix. Uh, my wife, Julie, and I have three sons, and our oldest is 32. He's here with us at the ranch this weekend. Our middle son is 30, and he's in, back in Phoenix, his wife and two little ones. And then my, our third son, Nick, who's a freshman at uh, Grand Canyon University, is here with us as well. So, just a disclaimer, and I'm going to reinforce a lot of what Sean said. This is, this is application. And as I started thinking about this a couple months ago, this list that you have in front of you was about six pages long. And so, there is not any right or wrong answers. And I can tell you that it is by the grace of God that the uh, that our boys are where they are. And let me emphasize this with you, first and foremost, that the greatest joy that I have with these uh, with our three boys is that they all, all three of them, have an intimate and deep relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know what? Beyond that, it really doesn't matter. So let me, um, let me pray for us, and then we'll kind of march down through some bullet points. These workshops are designed to, for you all to interact and uh, share some of the things that have worked for you and uh, interact with some of the uh, things that I've uh, talked about today. So let me pray for us real quick. God, uh, thank you for the day. Again, thank you for just the opportunity for all of us to be uh, up here at the ranch uh, for the teaching, for the interaction, for the fellowship, uh, God, for, uh, for just you, for who you are in our lives, what you mean to us, and God, for uh, just the opportunity we have uh, just another day to be faithful to you. So God, uh, we come together today, we ask your Holy Spirit would just fall down upon this place, that you would uh, teach us, and uh, Lord, help us not to get in the way of what you're doing. We love you. Commit the uh, time to you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, a um, couple things. One of the, uh, and again, as, as we look at application here, um, you know, this, these are these are positive commands in, in the uh, in the scriptures. Proverbs twenty two six up at the top there. Okay. Anybody else need one? Okay. Sorry. Right. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, when he, is old he will not depart from it. And for, for, guys, for those of you that have um, sons or daughters that are, um, that are adult age or approaching adult age, approaching jumping out of the house, um, you will understand that better at the time than perhaps you do now. Um, I look at, at particularly our two older sons who are 32 and 30, and I look at that and I say, thank you, Jesus. You know, train them up in the way they should go so when they are old, they will not depart from it. Because when I look at it, when my wife Julie and I look at it, as we look back, our goal has been that they are young men who are not only self-sufficient, that are walking an intimate walk with Jesus Christ when we're not there. Because, you know what, as Jerry so articulately said this morning, um, you know, death is a lot longer than the life we live here. And it's certain. And it's coming 
whoever, whenever we know. So as I looked at just some of the things that that I think are keys in in raising up kids, uh, in, in a, in, in particularly in this culture. And you're welcome. I've got some notes in between these bullet points. You're welcome to take some of these down or toss them out. And then, so what I'd like to do is just walk through these six bullet points, and then let's open it up for some discussion. So be the leader of your home. And I guess, guys, I got to tell you what I I believe that this is the key component of the six year. This is the most important. And let me ask you some rhetorical questions. You fear God. Psalm 111.10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And i got to tell you what, I wake up every morning, and I still wake up every morning, because I know that, there's a, there's a, that I'm one decision, I'm one comment away from screwing up my sons. And so I wake up with the fear of God in, in, in my heart each morning, recognizing that I can do it, that the only way that I can do it is by His grace and His mercy and his leading. Two, are you living your faith 24-7? Or are you compartmentalizing your life? Are you all in? Matthew 23:37 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so, back to just illustrative and, and just practicality. Am I living my life every day 24-7 Am I a model to them of Jesus Christ? Am I compartmentalizing my life? Am I the same at home as I am at work, as I am at church on Sunday, as I am out on the golf course? Am I consistent? But most importantly, am I modeling God? Am I doing that? Three, are you keeping your accounts short? i got to tell you what, guys. This is, this is a, a verse, 1 John 1, 9. says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay. Are, you keeping your what short? are you keeping your accounts short? So are you, um, and, I, and, I gotta, and I say this not to be a name dropper, but uh, I had an opportunity, as a matter of fact, Mark Ramey and I had an opportunity, gosh, I was in my early 20s, Mark was a lot older than me. Um, but uh, we had an opportunity to spend a weekend with Lauren Sandy, um at the Navigators uh, at uh, uh, their College Springs. And uh, we went on a prayer walk uh, one morning, and, uh, and here's what Lauren said. He said, Psalm 55:22, Cast all your burdens upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will not allow the righteous one to be shaken. And he said, why do I share that verse with you? And he shared First John 1, 9 with us as well. He said, you know what? At night, he said, I, um, I sit with, with, my, with my wife, Lucy, in bed. And he said, the first time I did this, it was crazy. But he said, I walked through my day. And he said, I, you can't remember all of it. But he said, I walked through the day, and I, I encountered the different events in my day. And they were, they were oftentimes um, stagnant. There were oftentimes routine things. But then there were those things that uh, a relationship maybe that had um, gone south on me, something, um, as, as I think Chris made the comment, that was unintentional sin. And so he says, so I confessed the sin right then and there. 
that night, left it at the cross, and moved on. And i got to tell you what, guys, leaving, leaving those things at the cross, keeping your account short, will be something that if you will teach your, your children how to do that, will serve them for, for their life moving forward. Are you in the Word of God on a regular basis? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit, both joyous and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So are you in, in the Word of God? Do your, do your children see you in the Word of God, combing over the Word of God, studying the Word of God, taking bits and pieces out of it and applying it to your life and you sharing it. I, I got to tell you, over the years, and, and, and again, this is, this is application. This has been application for Julia and myself. We have found that there is more talk than talk. And as you look at life, you hear the, or used to hear years and years ago that, um, that there was a big buzz I've got a pen over here if you need one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I need one. Maybe they don't. They may have gone away. Anyways, the, the big buzz was it's quality time. Let me tell you what. It takes quantity time to get quality time. So you've got to be in the Word, around your kids, and willing to share some of the things that God's impacting you and your life with them. And then are you modeling the walk of faith? Colossians 3.23-24 Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord God who you serve. Colossians 3.23-24 and 24. So, being the leader of your home is imperative. It's not, it's not um, in my mind today, and particularly in the culture that we live in, it's, it's not an option, it's, it's, it's a mandate. Number two, you're the father, not the friend. So, you and your, your spouse need to decide together how you're going to discipline. Application for my wife and I, we decided that God's word would direct us. Proverbs 13:24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Guys, the word rod here comes from the Hebrew word shevet, that means staff or club or scepter. And quite frankly, I think our boys got off easy with just thankings. But I can tell you that the word also means, discipline here means correction. And you're welcome. You're welcome to ask him. Don't group up on him. But our 32-year-old was the strongest will of all of our boys, and he he gave us a run for our money. Uh, he did not sleep for the first seven months, and uh, he was he was the son um, that at the age of two and a half, as soon as he actually I guess he was three asked his papa one day at, at Sunday lunch, what is sin? And he was, he was stronger than garlic. And, and he will tell you today, as a matter of fact, he has shared with me, he said, had you not spanked me, 
had you not broken my will, and there's a difference between breaking your, their, their child's will and breaking their spirit, he said, had you not done that, I can't imagine what I would look like today. So, discipline is, is, is huge. You're the father, not the friend. There can't be two leaders. You and your wife both can't be the leader. You, as in me, have to have the final decision and the final word. And then, additionally, understand that your children are going to test you. Is there anybody in here that their children haven't tested them yet? Okay, you haven't had, you don't have any? My first one's on the way. Okay, there you go. Okay. Well, get ready. So, so let me just encourage you with this. And again, this is, this is something. Don't let anything fall in the cracks. Do not let anything fall in the cracks. That was something, and it's hard. Guys, i got to tell you what. There were times at night when there was a comment or there was a late night. And I won't tell you which son it was, but I can tell you, uh, I'll illustrate it with you. Curfew at our house was, um, as they got deeper into high school, was midnight. And uh, so midnight came and get, went one night, and it came and went. And about 2 o'clock, in he comes. And unbeknownst to him, both his mom and I are both waiting for him. He thought we'd be asleep. He thought we'd let it fall in the cracks. And i got to tell you what, after that conversation, and we were, um, I'm giving away a little bit of who it is coming up, but we were laughing about it coming up. And um, and it was asked in the car, and, and he said, he said, I wasn't sure I was going to be let back in the house. And the question was asked, did you ever do that again? He said, no. So... Don't let anything fall in the cracks. And, and I, I, would, I would emphasize this, too. i got to tell you what, for you guys that have sons and daughters that are close together and they're young, um, you know, one of the things that I think you can, can come alongside your, your bride and, and do is really help her make sure things don't fall in the cracks when they're little. Now, what does that look like? I don't know. That's application for you and, and your wife. Number three. Show them that you love their mother. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Application for me, I model that for your children. What does it look like in your home? For me, do I love my wife? Do I protect my wife? Do they understand that my wife comes before them? That's a huge component, I think. Do I love my What's that look like? Do you tell your wife you love her in front of them? Do you hold her hand? Do you come in and give her a kiss when you get home? What's that look like? They've got to see love generated and modeled. Again, it's more what's caught than taught. But it's a modeling. It really is. Pray for your children. And guys, I've got to tell you what. Um, we did that from the minute we knew they were coming. Even before we knew they were coming. And uh, you've heard the word E squared. Let me, t- let me suggest to you that evangelism and edification, first and foremost, starts in your home. And it starts with your kids. And, uh, you know, it just so happens, um, I, I, love, I love to evangelize. And I was, every, every chance I had, I was in front of our boys 
sharing, sharing the gospel with him at the right moment. But as it turns out, it was the soft, nurturing mom that actually led all three of them to Christ. But that's a component. That's a huge component. And then to edify them, to build them up. Guys, your number one disciple is already in your home. They're already in your home. Then, as I think I said before, I probably got this out of order. Spend time with them. So quality time only comes from as a result of quantity time. And so what's that mean? Guys, i got to tell you what. I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. For the last, well, it's been a couple of years, but for, for the years of high school, I didn't, I didn't see here with son number three, I didn't see a whole bunch of Lost Valley retreats. And here's why. It's because our, our youngest son was a big-time basketball player, and his state tournaments always happened at the same time Lost Valley happened. And so, now, you've got to pick and choose. You've got to prioritize. But quantity time doesn't ever replace, nor does it preclude or come before quality time. The quality time comes after it. It's those times riding home at 2 in the morning from Augusta, Georgia, getting in Atlanta. It's, it's those times in the evening after dinner, after homework's done, of just sitting around and talking. I mean, you know, I don't know if you guys, if you guys haven't seen it, I'll, we ought to post it, but Gail Jackson sent out a, a email here recently, and it was called, um, we've all heard of fast food, it's called slow food, and how, for the most part, the traditional dinners around America have stopped happening around the dinner tables. And, and everybody's eating separate. That was something we did. We weren't perfect at before we should try to sue generate traditions on Sunday. Our boys had the best grandparents ever, and every Sunday we went over to their house for for dinner, and it was family time. It was time just to sit around and let the world go by. And then one of the things that I think all of us are afraid to do sometimes is to admit when we're wrong and I can tell you that the first time I had to ask our strong-willed oldest son to forgive me wasn't more than probably five or six years old and it was hard to do but you know what it got a lot easier to do down the road and I did it fairly often because I you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna make bad calls you're gonna respond in the flesh when you didn't mean to and you're gonna you're gonna hurt some some hearts. So, anyways, don't be afraid to ask them to forgive you. Those are six items. We have limited time today, so interaction. As as you look at those six, any of them resonate. Um, maybe some thoughts from you guys that are, are in the uh, in the in the battle. What's what's working for you? I'm interested. You said break their will, but don't break their spirit. Mm-hmm. You said extrapolate. Yeah, I think I think you know as you as we, a strong will a strong will child. Um, if if any of you and, and again I don't mean to go back to to books outside of the scriptures, but if any of you have if you've got a strong will child and you've not read the book that James Dawson uh, wrote called the Strong Will Child. Um, it is um, to be 
candid and honest, a, a strong will, uh, and, and remember, remember who we are. Who, who are we when we're born? Who's our father? Yeah, yeah. You so, are the authority figure. I am the authority figure. So if you don't break a strong will, it will it will be an ugly, ugly thing down the road. And there is a fine battle to that, but it is again not not letting things fall in the cracks. What else? How do you know when you're on the edge of breaking the will versus Well, I think first and foremost, each, each child's different. Um, I think it, it, it's a it's a movement of of when you're disciplining out of love, or if you're disciplining out of anger. And um, so, I think you have to be careful of that. I think once you cross that line into anger, you start to potentially penetrate the spirit. Yes. Like, what are, what are the reasons you're disciplining? Like, you, you know, do not provoke your child to anger. You know, are you doing it in a corrective purpose, you know, because you're trying to, to curb what their heart is and then what's going on with them, you know, or are you doing it, yeah, because you're angry or they're annoying you, right. you know, and you slip up. Yeah, and I, I think, too, I think the other side of it is don't confuse a strong will with an inquisitive will. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is, uh, I mean, a three-year-old asking you what sin is, is not a, is not, you know, certainly something corrective, it's a teaching moment. So, that is, uh, how, about, how about you other guys? Have you, any of you got strong little kids? No. Do they? Yeah. How do you test you all the time? All the time. Yeah. How do you how do you deal with that? Not very well. To be honest, it's been really tough. That's why I came to do it. So, when I was a kid growing up, there was a lot more physical discipline. And it seemed like that it was me because you know, I already knew if I stepped out of line what was going to happen. You know, but my kids, you know, it's complicated, you know. Um, I was always a disciplinarian, and their mom was always the one they'd go run to for compassion or whatever. And then um, when we got divorced, all physical discipline stopped at that point because we were afraid one was using against the other, you know. And then the kids got more out of hand, and then um, now I feel like they're kind of getting too old for physical discipline. But um, I don't know. I struggle. me and my wife now and, and her mother. Um, it seems like we rehash the same stuff over and over and over again to tell them what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do. I, I've done like 15 different chore charts at the house and they still forget to do their chores and I just get frustrated. You know, and I don't know. And I'm, we're kind of at a loss. You know, we've had so many heart to hearts, you know, sit down and, uh, and uh, in the living room and talk, you know, over and over and over and I was like I'm at a loss I don't, I don't know what to do so my default is I just give you a raise and you're going to do what I tell you to do and you're going to do now and I said how old are you? 12 and 14 now yeah. but you know some of the stuff we've been telling 
five years straight. I'm like, you know, after five years, you can't get it down so you can move on. I just feel like we're stuck. Like you guys are not progressing, you know, and it's so different from when I was a kid, you know. Um, up until I was about 12 years old, um, if I got in trouble, you know, I had to go in my dad's bedroom and I had to drop trowel and put my hands on the bed and take a little belt, you know. And somewhere around 12 years old, you know, my dad told me, drop your pants aside. I'm not doing it, you know. So then I graduated to the next level, you know. But I didn't act out like the way my kids do. Because yeah. I had fear of what, right. what would happen. That's exactly right. You know, the consequence was was more than you were willing to endure, and so you stopped. Yeah, and if I pushed it too far, my dad grabbed me by my throat and put me on the wall. You know, and that was it. You know, so I didn't want that. So I told the line as much as I could. You know, and I don't want to do that to my kids. You know, or, uh, just get frustrated. But how many times do I have to tell you to make your bed or to clean up after dinner? And it's like, why am I five years later I'm still telling you to make your bed, take up after dinner? I'm just frustrated. I don't understand. Why are you not getting it? Mm-hmm. Why are we not moving on? We're just stuck. You know, it's like, it's frustrating. Not to get too personal, but yeah, all of that too, though. Not what? As far as taking care of everything on your own? He was just mentioning how things are caught versus taught. Taught versus taught. Yeah. I, I, run, I run the same problem. I want my kids to do all these things. And I've got a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. And I'm like, no, no, do dishes. And where I'm sitting there and I don't do the dishes. Right. You know? And uh, or I say, just unload the dishwasher. And I'm sitting there and I'll wait. for will work two days. They don't see me doing it. So I know when they're not home. You know, she's seen me doing a lot of the modeling of what I want done. I don't know. I feel like, well, you know, if it's, if it's their job to do it, why am I going to do it? No, like, I'm not your own bed and your own thing like that. They see you doing that. I work a lot. Yeah. You know, that's what I do. You know, uh, my wife's a full-time student. They're all in school. I try not to be like my dad and be a workaholic because it's easier to be at work than be able to step at home. You know what I mean? A lot of men run away yeah. to their work, to their work in their home life. Um, but if I've been out working an eight, 10 hour day, when dinner's done, I'm not going to clean the kitchen too. They need to do something. They can't just sit around and play. Well, and I think that some, some of what perhaps I was trying to communicate with not letting things fall through the cracks. Again, the consequence, if the consequence isn't correcting the behavior, it needs to be firmer. Because at some point in time, the consequence has got to be able to correct the behavior, whatever that might be. And there's so many different, I mean, there's so many, you know, they've got their phones, they've got the TV, they've got the computer, I mean, on and on and on that you and I didn't have perhaps growing up, or at least I didn't. Right. So, but I think, that, again, it's, it's correcting the behavior. So how do you do that without letting things fall through the cracks? The consequence has got to be strong enough to enforce a change in the behavior. Right. I don't know. Someone talked to my wife about that. I go back to the point of strengthening them until things change. You know, kind of ridiculous. Since I'm 14 years old, I don't want to have to do that, but I will. Yeah. You know, I, well, 
I guess it's, it's one of those things that do you want to live with that behavior when he's 24 and 34 and 54? No, because he won't be really with me. Well, I, I, I understand that, but... but I, and Matt, you always, anytime you're talking about um, discipline and correction, you know, it seems like we've always come back to thinking, but I know that, uh, you know, Ephesians talks about uh, really a great verse on parenting, we bring up your discipline, and, and the word in our translation is instruction of the Lord. Another word for instruction is admonishment or encouragement. And so I think oftentimes, I know it was modeled for me by my dad, but um, our discipline is kind of dependent on the on the consequence, you know, the, what, what we were correcting, but then also it kind of stung. And it, my, my parents did spank, but as I got older, like you said, you know, to a certain point, um, you know, my dad, he knew me, he had a relationship with me, and he knew that. You know, taking away <laughs> old school, but he took away my jam box, you know, and I didn't have any music. And he put me in a room, and that was, dude, that was just hell on earth for a 13 year old. You know, please quit me, please. And so, and he didn't do it as a means of torture or anything like that, but he, he knew the things of the correct behavior. And so, having that relationship with your kid and then understanding, really, from their perspective, a consequence that will be corrective. I mean, I was I was a big kid and so getting spanked I mean I was bigger than he was mm-hmm. and well that ain't gonna do much for me you know mm-hmm. but rather um, you know the consequences that were really important and then also like you talk about falling through the cracks man being so consistent with it I mean that consistency is just the name of the game that's where I know some of you guys are kind of saying that you and your spouse and I know my wife and I it's tough to be consistent and I can be really right like twice <laughs> but it's it's the 114th time that you still have to be right. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful for you, but it's a thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is still a point. It is, my situation is complicated with the fact that they're with me for a week and then they're with their mother for a week. Sure. Yeah. And the two households. And, uh. Controls are consistent. No, no. And, uh, my. If I, you know, I hate saying that's why I. I pause every time I go to say But she, uh, she's a preacher's daughter. We were together for 16 years. And um, she's totally, completely backslidden. You know, boyfriend, the whole thing. But the stuff my kids have to be. They get models of them. I just. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I never wanted him to. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
want that with him and talk. He wants that talk with him and show him those verses of scripture. Now his will is edified over your soul and your very will and practice. They do the gospel. If they don't know the word yet, they're understanding what that means to me. This one will be just on your wife. And the consequences of that, in case of God's wrath, is nothing. That there's hope in the gospel. That's saying, can't you forget it? Look at you, Dad. I'm trying to be a changed man. You saw what I was before. You see what I'm trying to become now. By the power of the Holy Spirit in me. That's what I want for you. You would be saying, that's not for tomorrow's house. Let's try and do it here. And that's a humble thing. You come to humble yourself to say, we're in this together. I, I just love you. And I, I'm not going to, and I, I'll tell you, a great book, another book. Ted Tripp has a great book called Shepherding Your Child's Heart. Yeah. He another version of this person. But it's not about outward behavior, it's about heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, both of those books are incredibly with Cocos and I those together and then we went through dealing with uh, Andy Betsis you know if you, 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 you see Betsis if you walk around here you'll see a new man that loves Christ but it's only because his father did it with Jesus Christ yeah. and, and I know what before we go with Craig and I don't know well I just want to share with Matt I'm in a similar situation it's uh, you know week on week off where the their mom was backslidden but I was gonna say I, I threw the short charts away because uh, you have such a limited time. I'm talking about qu- you know quantity to get to the quality. You have such a limited time, especially if you're working a lot. And I would just say you you've got that limited time. God's giving you that time with them, and you just spend it whatever you can with them to get them to communicate with you. Keep those channels of communication because they're confused. You know that age. I've got 13, 10, and six, and. They are confused. They're, they see the, the difference between the two households. They're not. They're just. They just come confused. And it takes a couple of days, as you probably know, to even reset what's been going on the week before. Uh, trying to understand what they're dealing with. So they're they're in a state of confusion. They're they're in a state of hurt still. Um, and you know, it's not about chores. It's uh, you know just being being a voice, being you know, and standing firm on the truth, on God's word. You know, doing studies, you know, doing studies, getting them in the word, but. You just can't you can't have the expectations anymore of, of, of the chores and everything else. I mean, you have to do stuff. I'm not saying don't have to do anything, but you'd rather have the time with them talking with you than probably doing a chore. You know, so exactly. Just you know, it's it's not it's not something. Those chores are not going to be something in eternity. But that, that's that's going to matter, right? That is just getting getting stuff done. And, but you can do it. You can take off a lot of that load just to you know take the load off of them because they're. It's a, the, the divorce devastates the children. The, the, the parents move on, but the kids are dealing with it, and they're dealing with it. And three of them, they're all dealing with it differently. So one's doing okay, the other two aren't, or one's doing, you know, the two are fine. I mean, it's, it's like you know, trying to keep everything, and you, you just drive yourself nuts. You just got to back off and go. Our right, God giving me this time, and it's His His permissive will that He's giving you that time with them. So you got to back off and just listen. But stand firm. Don't don't compromise the word. You know, don't don't give in. My parents were like ten, or I was ten when my parents got divorced. You know, I was promising stuff I never knew my dad. You know, and it just seems like I'm falling right behind. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you and you will without Christ. 
you will. You'll go that default. Your flesh will go that default without Christ. Gene, you want to pray for Matt and I mean, for anybody else in this room that might be in similar situations? And just, just for all, everyone. I mean, everyone's in unique circumstances with unique uh, children. And so... Father God, we just uh, come before you. Men that uh, you have broken, Father. Father, men that you have brought to our knees through your love and discipline. Father, you've also renewed us from the blood of Christ. You made us make into the men that you are calling us to be. Act like the only true men that ever walked this earth. Our Lord and our Savior, Christ Jesus. Father, we cannot do this on our own. Father, I don't know about these guys, but Father, I'm so grateful that you showed me that. Father, let us stand on your word as our instruction book and how to live our lives before our children. Father, we beg of you that the Holy Spirit will come and move in a mighty way and mass life, life in each of our lives, Father, and meet us right where we are. Because you know where we are, Father. You are sovereign over all. You are all-powerful and almighty. And you can do all things. Father, we just ask that you meet each of us right where we are. Fill the void in our hearts and help instruct us on how we need to operate in a way that we meaningful for our children, for our wives, and for our families. Father, you are so kind and so good. We ask all these things. Your son is my name. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.